Russ, you are the general manager of this beautiful winery. We're at Silverado Vineyards, right off of Silverado Trail here in Napa Valley. But I think the best way to start today's episode of Sip on This is with a remembrance. We're recording this episode in March 2019, and just last month, the patriarch of this winery passed away. His name is Ron Miller. Russ, can you please share with us who is Ron Miller and how he and his wife started this winery? And share with us, if you will, one of your favorite memories of Ron. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I was lucky enough to, to work for Ron uh, for almost 15 years. And, and of course, you know, Diane passed away about five years ago, so I worked with her for, for about 10. Um, you know, Ron and Diane uh, came up into the Napa Valley from uh, from L.A., Burbank, uh, where they were um, uh, in the in the mid '70s. Um, it's the first time they came up here and uh, settled on, finally found and settled on the the Miller Ranch, which is where our Sylvian Blanc comes from. Uh, they made wine for. I think the impulse was just how beautiful the valley was. I mean, uh, they were getting into wine down in L.A. like so many were in that era. And uh, and all, all roads, you know, kind of all roads led to Napa at that point, right, in, in the late 60s, early 70s. And, I, and Diane always remembered that when she came around the corner into Napa Valley, and you guys have had that experience as well, she just was looking around at this valley and wow this is really one of those beautiful spots on the, on the planet so I think you know that impulse uh, you know loving wine and then just totally falling in love with the landscape and the land here um, kind of led them to to the Miller Ranch um, it wasn't oddly enough it wasn't the first vineyard they, they wanted to purchase they, they actually wanted to buy the Silverado vineyard uh, from Harry C who is the scion of the uh, famous California chocolatier you can see mm -hmm. candy right yeah and uh, Harry wouldn't sell it to him <laughs> and he said uh, he, he actually recommended the Miller Ranch because his niece owned it he said go, go see my niece <laughs> it's all the same stuff you know just <laughs> right? and I think if you ever wanted to uh, if you really ever wanted to to tempt Ron and Diane to continue to pursue buying the, the Silverado Vineyard, you, you, if you wanted to do that, you couldn't have done better than selling them that house, which is right across the river from this property. Mm -hmm. So from the back porch, you see this beautiful vineyard, you know, crawling up the slopes of you know of our ridge line here, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Ron and Diane sitting on their back porch is like, God, we're gonna get that, we're gonna get that sooner or later. Mm -hmm. We're gonna talk Harry into it. So that was really the beginning. '76 and '78, they purchased those two vineyards and uh and then it just turned out that that uh, the fruit they were selling to other wineries uh, was making some pretty good wine and they thought at some point well we better we better try this we i think we could do this so they hired a tremendous guy jack stewart who was my predecessor uh and uh made i think the very first vintage was 1980 it was made in his garage so mm. they really were and before we knew that there was this phrase garage east you know yeah. that we got from from the french you know guys in bordeaux making stuff in their garage they were truly making stuff in their garage um, and I've had it actually. It's really nice. It's, it's a really nice wine, uh, Cabernet from here. Yeah. So, uh, oh my goodness, we're gonna miss Ron so much. I mean, he was he was funny. He was smart. Uh, when he needed to be, he was firm. Uh, what always drove me nuts is when he was firm, he was also right. 
<laughs> so there was really nothing I could say. <laughs> but you know, he always, you know, whenever he, you know, whenever he thought it, I uh, thought I needed some guidance. It was always with a big, huge wallop of humor, and uh, he just was. I have just so many great memories of him. I just, you know, uh, doing blending with him, uh, you know, walking the vineyards with him. Uh, hearing the stories of how he fell in love with the entire estate, you know, over the next several years, he and Diane purchased another four vineyards. Mm-hmm. So the, the estate now is, is six vineyards in total, which is just, uh, I mean, it's just spectacular all around the Valley. Right. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to pick out one, honestly. Uh, I'll have to think about that as, as the conversation goes on, I'm sure as we're talking about the wines, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll stumble on plenty of Ron stories. And that's the lovely part about wines because wines just tell great stories. Well, that's a great way to introduce this podcast and welcome to episode 12 of Sip on This, the podcast that brings you to the wondrous experience of Napa Valley's and Sonoma Valley's wines and fields afar. I'm Roger Chung, your host. My co-host Janae Gaither is not with us today. She's still in New Zealand exploring wine country down under. But today, I happen to have a friend visiting me here in San Francisco, so I brought him with me here to Napa. Varun Nakor has been one of my best friends for nearly 20 years. We've been through a lot together. We've had some great celebrations. We've also had some trials. But Varun is from Washington, D.C., and I'm now here in San Francisco. But whenever we're together, we always do it with a bottle of wine. Varun, this is your first time in Napa Valley. I'm glad to not only share another bottle of wine with you, but I'm also glad to share this microphone with you today. So good to be here, Roger. And uh, we've talked many, many years about, you know, coming to Napa together. And, and uh, I'm just happy to follow your lead and, and get educated about uh, wine, you know, from the source. And, um, you know, I have to admit that sometimes I get a little intimidated by, by uh, folks uh, as they, you know, swirl and sip and gurgle and, and all that. But it's nice to kind of take some of the mystery out of it and experience this beautiful property and this great wine I'm sure we're about to take. And we're with the general manager today at Silverado Vineyards, Russ Weiss, and Bill Campbell, who's the director of direct-to-consumer sales. Russ, I was telling my podcast team that we were having this interview with you today, and everyone was in awe because your reputation in Napa Valley is pristine. Everybody says you're the kindest, most generous guy in the valley. How is that possible? How, how did you How did no, you come uh, up here? And- no, no. First of all, I mean, you know, the only way that anybody gets any kind of reputation is that they're just old. So let's just start with <laughs> no, that, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, I, I started in the Napa Valley in 1987 when the Christian Brothers redid the Greystone Cellars. Mm. That was originally their sparkling wine facility. And I started as a tour guide. So, mm. you know, I started picking up gum wrappers and, you know, uh, saying about 500 times, no, the restaurants are, the restrooms are down and to your left. <laughs> um, just fell in love with it. I, I come from a grape growing family in the Central Valley. So my my, uh, my granddad started the farm uh, right after the war, right next to the San Joaquin River in between Highway 99 and, and uh, and the Interstate Five, so it was really the middle of nowhere. My my closest neighbors were coyotes, and mm. uh, mm-hmm. and uh, my home was surrounded by 200 acres of grapes. And so, just I think, you know, somehow you, that gets in your DNA somehow. Right. Sort of how slips into the double helix. So uh, somehow I knew I was going to be doing something with with uh, vineyard. I didn't expect that the um, the rest of the business would be so interesting and creative and fascinating. And uh, I've just been very lucky. You know, I worked with, you know, brother 
brother Timothy, a Christian brother, mm-hmm. I, I got a chance to meet and do a little work with uh, Andre Chelichev at Bully oh, Vineyards. Yeah. And of course, I worked for, with Bob and Davi. Oh, okay. In fact, oh, well, that is a Ron story. I, I, you know, Ron, Ron was uh, incredibly delighted uh, last year when uh, he uh, was, was at great pains to point out to me that I had now worked for him longer than I had worked for Bob and Davi. He's like, now, nah, so you're not a Davi guy anymore. <laughs> you're a Silverado guy. Yeah. So it was, uh, he, 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 he took great pride in that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, look at, I think that, you know, Varun, I love what you were saying, uh, on the one hand, on the other hand, it always gives me a slight amount of pain when people say, Oh, I'm a little bit intimidated by, by wine. You know, I mean, wine is just supposed to be really delicious. I mean, it's true that it yeah. swims in the stream of history and culture and religion, and it goes back to the Fertile Crescent. And some people even say that, you know, wine was responsible for civilizing humankind because you know, we had to stay in one place to pick the grapes. But honestly, at the very end of the day, it has to be really delicious. You yeah. know, I mean... Not that many people end up saying, you know, I don't know that much about soda pop, but I know what I like. You know what I mean? But but it's the same principle. You're putting this beautiful liquid uh, inside of you. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing more personal and more specific than that. And nobody can tell you what that experience is like. Only you know that. That's right. So you really shouldn't be intimidated by all the gargling and gurgling and swirling and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just you got you got it's you got You know, if you like it, it's yeah. it's fabulous. If you don't like it, it really is not fabulous perhaps and I've only seen, you can say that perhaps I've seen too many bad wine movies <laughs> that's probably true that's probably true <laughs> well Silverado Vineyards was one of the first wineries I visited when I moved to San Francisco about three years ago and from that moment that I walked in I was hooked the winery has so much charm the staff is super amazingly friendly and the wines are so very good and the whole experience is magical that I just joined the wine club that day. Um, and, and, as, and as the staff can attest here, I come here a lot. <laughs> and I always bring friends because I want to introduce them to this winery. Super. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful property. Varun, you just had a chance to walk around and see it for the first time. And you have one of the most amazing terraces and views that my friends are always in awe with the moment they arrive. It's a very experiential uh, event when you come here. Um, and, and you have some very great wines. Yeah, you know, I, 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 uh, I love that story. I'll never forget that my very first day on the job um, was September. You know, it was a beautiful, you know how it is here late summer. And yeah. it was late, pretty late in the evening, and that sort of magical light had sort of started to, you know, when the mist kind of comes in. The, that golden the, the, glow. The, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. it was just like, wow, you know. And I was walking down the steps to the lower terrace, and there's a couple there, and the guy had his... You know, he had his hands, you know, behind his head and his elbows out and he had his feet up, you know, on the on the little half wall there, you know, he's kind of leaning back in the chair. He just looks so like, you know, I mean, they both just looked like they totally belonged. And I, you know, I, I had a I just had to interrupt him. I was like, this is I got to have a piece of this. Right. So I was I walked down. And I'm like, what is going on? You two look too happy. Right. Yeah. What is going on? And he's like, you know what? I've been coming to this valley forever. I don't know why I never turned off. You know, we're here on the Silverado Trail. It's a little bit out of the way. So I don't know why I never turned off here and 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 just came up this hill. He says, man, I'm glad I did. He said, you know, I've been coming to the Napa Valley for 15 years, and I finally found the spot that, that I really feel looks like what a winery is supposed to look like. And it, was, it was pretty hilarious, you know, and, and I thought about that a lot. You know, what Ron and Dan, Diana always wanted us to do for folks is let them own the place for the time that they're here. Mm. 
you know, that, that's yours, right? Yeah. The, the wines are yours, the space is yours, the table is yours, the view is yours, you own it. You get a, you get a little piece of the valley for the time that you're here. Yeah. And tell us, because you have a beautiful property, you have a wonderful, very respected uh, winemaker, and you're a very friendly staff here, what is your management philosophy on operating this vineyard, and how do you couple that with the, the wines that you present to your guests? Yeah, wow. <laughs> there are a number of words that come to mind, but when you, when you, you know, because we're an estate, because we do everything from berry to bottle, because we are thinking about winemaking, from the minute we put a pruning shear on a dormant vine to, mm-hmm. to, to craft the shape of that vine for the coming season. I think the biggest word is humility. Mm. Mother Nature has a way of schooling you, right? Every year, you, right. she'll throw something a little bit different at you and, and you've gotta be open to that. You've got, you, whatever your preconceived ideas are, you need to, you need to adjust those to to the moment. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I think I think because we're in a state, all of us here are in that rhythm and we we are all informed by what it means to respond to to human nature and 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 to nature you know writ large. Right. So I think I think humility is maybe one of the key things. You can't we are so serious about the wines. We want them to be absolutely the most spectacular things that we know how to make from our estate. But we also know that in order for that to happen, we have to really respect the environment around us. And whether that's, you know, whether that's the natural environment or the human environment, um, that, that, that's really the guiding philosophy. You know, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, we've talked a lot about Terrar and the AVAs and the sub-AVAs in previous podcast episodes. We talk about the soil types. We talk about the weather conditions for that year, whether it was a wet year or a dry year. You talked about the, the mother nature element. And as Rune and I were driving here and I showed him the mountain range here and it's still got a little bit of char left from the wildfires from almost a year and a half ago so you're right you absolutely have to be ready to respond to those conditions right i mean it's so you can see that but you know i mean you're here you're here where the sun is out the the hills are green it looks fabulous you know this entire place was underwater (laughs) last week yeah (laughs) you know the, the river had overtopped right here so yeah there's always something russ and bill i saw that silverado's wines have great accolades and distinction having won several gold medals and at one time was even named American Winery of the Year. That's a lot of great prestige and pride here. How do you make good wine so consistently well? Well, you know, that's, our, that's what we strive for from year to year. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have this beautiful property right here in the Stag's Leap District. And, uh, and we have an incredible winemaker, John Emmerich, and, uh, and his assistant winemaker. Um, in addition to the, the wines that you're tasting here today, we do also have um, other wines in our portfolio. Uh, we have a wonderful um, Sauvignon Blanc, which comes from our uh, Yonville property, our mm. ranch. Um, we also have a Chardonnay, which is from mm-hmm. Carneros, which is really wonderful. Oh, Carneros is one of my favorite. Regions. Oh, the wine there is just spectacular, and yeah. we're very, very proud of that as well. Yeah. Uh, we also do a Sangiovese, mm-hmm. and we also do a, a Fantasia as well. We do Zinfandel, and a lot of these um, one-off wines are also included in um, some our wine club selections, which is something that we're very proud of as well. You know, not a lot of wineries do Sangiovese in Napa Valley, so how did you guys decide to do a Sangiovese bridal here? The Sangiovese was a real passion of Ron and Diane Yeller ah, when okay. they, they visited Italy and they wanted to come back and um, and it's one of their favorite varietals. Should we start with some of your delicious wines? I, why not? Yeah. <laughs> what do you have for us today? 
So we're gonna we're gonna take a little uh, tour of the of the red wine vineyards. Uh, the very first wine we have here is the 2014 Mount George Vineyard uh, Merlot, and that's from a the little tiny AVA of Coombsville, mm-hmm. which is our baby AVA. It was the first. Uh, first recognized uh, in 2012. Right, it's the most recent recognized AVA. Right, yeah. and the Mount George Vineyard is the oldest vineyard and the youngest AVA. Mm. So it was first planted in uh, 1868, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore is the first site that uh, ever had vinifera or the great you know, noble grapes planted to it uh, in, in Coombsville. Maybe you know 1868. Maybe one of the one of the oldest sites for vinifera generally in the valley. Yeah, some of that, some of that is lost in the mists of time. But uh, actually, the story of the vineyard isn't lost in the mists of time. Uh, it was actually first um, first planted by a guy named William Woodward, who thought he wanted to make. He was a Brit, and he thought he wanted to make sherry. So he actually built some sherry ovens and oh. and uh, he heated up the grapes and kind of halfway raisinized them before he crushed them and tried to make something that tasted like sherry. That didn't last too long. <laughs> the hue and cry for sherry apparently was fairly <laughs> short. Uh, and, uh, and, and eventually uh, one of the great pioneers of Napa, a fellow named Henry Hagen, uh, purchased the vineyard, redubbed it, um, redubbed it the, uh, the Cedar Knolls Vineyard. And, uh, and the rest of his history, he actually submitted some of his Cedar Knoll wines in the 1889 Paris Exposition. Oh, that's that was right. the one okay. that the Eiffel Tower was built for. And yeah. Thomas Edison showed up with incandescent lights and, you know, it was pretty cool, wow. pretty cool deal. And he, and he won second place for red wines globally, which wow. is pretty cool. So I, speaking of humility, I mean, this vineyard, Mount George, knows way more about vines than we do. It's seen, it's seen far more than we have. Well, I've had this wine, this beautiful Merlot, several times. Look at this beautiful color. It's like that deep purple color, right? It's, it's uh, I, yeah, I love it. You know, that's an area of the valley that is even just a little bit cooler than where we are now. Uh-huh. You know, all of all of Silverado's vineyards are down in the bottom third of the valley. So we're okay. much more influenced by the big air conditioner that's the San Francisco Bay down, yeah. you know, down, you know, maybe, what are we like, maybe 10 miles from the bay, right? Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, what I love about that is for, for varietals like Merlot and Cabernet Franc, those varietals have a tendency, they're sprinters. I like to call them sprinters. They have a tendency to get their sugar really early. They want to come out of the blocks and really sugar up. And that's why they've, they've been so prized in, in Bordeaux. Bordeaux's weather is a little bit cooler than ours. And uh, in, in cold, wet, rainy years in Bordeaux, you can always get uh, Merlot to ripen. You can always mm-hmm. get Cabernet Franc to ripen. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in California, we kind of have the opposite problem. You know, we're not really worried about not getting enough sun. <laughs> right. And we don't really get the rainfall through the growing season either, right. either which, which is a real blessing for a farmer. I mean, we, we really don't have a lot of the challenges that they, they face in, in, in Bordeaux in, in regards to fungus and other stuff that, you know, that humidity brings with it. So, uh, you know, our challenge in California is slowing those guys down, you know, trying to, trying to let the vines know that it's kind of a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And get, because if, if the sugar gets too high and the flavors in the skin haven't come along, you know, you, you end up with something that's a little more alcohol than you want, a little, little, you know, and the flavors aren't where you want them. Right. So uh, what I love about Matt George's for Cab Franc and Merlot, it's just kind of spectacular. It, it just, it's, the fog stays down there until 
11, 12 o'clock every day and it's just a little bit cooler and you know typically we don't we don't get around to, that's the last vineyard we get around to picking we don't get around to picking that vineyard until week and a half two weeks after we've picked here got it okay so that yeah little extra time on the vine helps the skins and and everything mature with merlot and cab franc and it just makes for a really delicious mm. wine yeah gives you that fabulous i like you know merlot to me is like the dessert of wine right mm. i mean it's like blueberries and you know yeah. boysenberry syrup and it's just so <laughs> delicious and right. you know I, to me it's just got and the and the textures are a little softer a little broader in your mouth so it's just kind of yummy and uh and uh, that's that's what i really love about merlot it's one of the great wines of the world um, but I think it's also one of the generous wines of the world if you're if you're in the right spot. I love Merlots, and I think yeah. Merlots have a little bit of a bad reputation because traditionally Merlots I thought were heavier, more mm. medium to full mm. body, more mm. on the fuller body side. But I think here in Napa Valley, the Merlots here have a, a more silkier uh, effect when we taste it. Right, yeah. and the, and and because it's a cooler area, that's right. Um, you get you, you retain the acidity. You know that's what that's where all the fruit flavor comes from. And yeah. so if you have that lively fruit flavor instead of that kind of cooked fruit, right? Uh, I, it makes the wines I think a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. Well, let's sniff it. Mm. Bruno, don't worry about this part. Just go for it. <laughs> Just go for it, Just go for it man. <laughs> I'm gonna go straight to the taste. I love that. But the bouquet on it is beautiful. It's got uh, so, some of that uh, berry fruit that you talked about, but I also get a sense of that soil, mm. a little bit of the earthiness yeah. in there. Well, and I think I think the next wine you'll you'll see that as well. There, there's a real family resemblance. There is a definite earthiness that comes from Mount George. There's a kind of a fabulous sort of forest floor, kind of wet forest floor aroma that I just really love about all the fruit that that comes from there. Yeah. Uh, it, it adds that little layer of, uh, hey, what's going on? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. But this, this Merlot, beautiful, silky, elegant is what I call it. Yeah. How would you describe it, Bru? Yeah, I can taste the blueberry. Um, that, that was the first sort of um, The first effect. note that you pulled. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I really got the dessert <laughs> description, <laughs> you know, from the first smell to the first, um, you know, time it touched my tongue, it really was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. And I think through the whole family of wines, what I hope, what I hope, what we're trying to do and what I hope you see is that we're not necessarily trying to make the most powerful, super balmy fruit kind of totally filling your mouth kind of wine. We want to keep the acid high enough so that the effect isn't really that mouth filling so much as it is mouth coating. Right. Mm-hmm. So that you have that acidic energy even in the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You think about it, this is a bit, it's a bit of an unnatural act, what we're doing here. Right. I mean, who sits around and just has three wines, you know, like <laughs> we're about to do three glasses of wine yeah. with nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Right? For, for, for breakfast. I mean, look at, look at my fabulous staff here. They put these little cracker. I don't even know what that is. Some sort of weird little cracker there that's going to taste like nothing. Right. And meanwhile, I'm looking at you guys and I'm looking at this wine and I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, well, it's like brunch or something. Right. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, Lucy's, which is a restaurant down in Bartosono, makes this fabulous duck confit hash. Mm, yeah. A little poached egg. Oh, nice. Know, a little Merlot. I mean, doing this without, you know, food is kind of funny, right? I mean, yeah, it's sort of yeah. a, you know, so when we think, you just, it's a work of imagination. When we think about what you're, how you're really going to be tasting the wine, what we really want is for that 
that effect to linger so that goes into the bite of food that you have and then right. the food lingers so it goes into the sip of wine and so on and so forth and right. that makes for a really happy meal that's what it's, it's the entire package and we <laughs> yeah. talk about the aroma and we talk about how the color and the hue of the wine and we talk about the taste of wine and it's in its pure form when we taste it out of the glass but the last element of that is what you just talked about is yeah. the food pairing and what yeah. complements it right yeah complement and counterpoint you know i think i think a lot of times the way wine really works great is kind of like a sorbet you know it's a, it's a way for you to be really fancy food just having your mac and cheese on a Wednesday you yeah know, because because what wine will do is refresh your palate and give your appetite a little boost and then you're ready for that next bite and it and it, it makes your palate it, it, your palate doesn't get fatigued if you're having these little counterpoints yeah right yeah that's right I mean, a lot of times we, 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 I think that's where we get really intimidated. Oh, uh, what's the perfect pairing with this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, chicken and waffles. I mean, I, you know, I think the idea is that if the, if the weight of the wine matches the weight of the food and it's a nice counterpoint. That's right. It, it's going to be great. Right. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't worry about it too much. That's right. Yeah. I can't wait to get home and make some mac and cheese. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have a nice wine with my mac well, and cheese. Well, I mean, you think of that because yeah. this is bright and acidic. Yeah. And then if you had something really creamy and really fatty, then it just really works. It's like point one counterpoint. Yeah. Point yeah. counterpoint. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Russ, you have two more bottles of wine. There. Yes. One is called the Geo. One right. is called the Solo. Right. They're both beautiful wines. They're both beautiful Cabernets. You want to do a side by side? Let's do the side by side. Okay. Yeah, and th and this is just basically our, our our beautiful Mount George Vineyard side by side with our lovely Silverado Vineyard, which you know is surrounding us here uh, around the hill. And uh, tell us quickly um, the distinction between these two right. uh, bottles of wine. Right. So Geo is our little pun. It's our nickname for George. Uh -huh. right? And also Greek, as you know, for Earth. Right. Okay. Right. Geology, yeah. geography. Uh, and that we wanted to respect that vineyard in a number of ways. One is obviously we wanted the best and highest expression we think we could make from that historic vineyard that we, we talked about. Um, but also we wanted to respect what the vineyard means to us at Silverado. Right. So in other words, every year, that vineyard is our little spice rack. You know, that's where John and Elena can play with Malbec and Petit Verdot and mm -hmm. Cabernet Franc and Merlot and the couple of different clones we have of Cabernet down there. Mm -hmm. And that's such a really important part of blending and coming up with something really yummy and layered and delicious for our estate Cabernet. So that's really how that vineyard works for Silverado. And Geo every year is an expression not only of the site in that vintage, a little snapshot, but also of what the vineyard means to us. So it's it's going to be a blend. Yeah. You know, this one happens to be Cabernet and a little bit of Petit Verdot. But it's a varietal designate. It's mostly Cabernet. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, the laws in, in California, 75% California. Um, right. varietal, you can call it that. So this, I think, uh, you know, I think was almost almost all Cabernet and then just a little smidge of Petit Verdot. Great. Uh, Solo, on the other hand, is not only an expression of this vineyard, the Silverado vineyard, which was first planted in the, the late 1880s, but but an expression of something really magical that happened here in the 60s. Mm. And that was that uh, John Brock, who worked for Harry C. at the time, was the viticulturist. Okay. And he planted something called Clone 8. That doesn't mean anything to anybody particularly, but Clone 8 came to Concannon Vineyards okay. in the 1880s from Chateau Margaux. Oh, okay. So it is the Margaux clone. And... Um, 
And, you know, what was funny about that is it did really, really well. If you think about the, the, the weather conditions and the soil conditions in Margot, they're almost identical to the Rutherford and, and Oakville bench. Oh, is that right? Up okay. valley and to the west of us, okay. right? Where there's more rainfall, where there's more loamy soil uh, and, and more water holding capacity. It was like home, right? Well, Brock, you know, thought it was a fabulous clone. Nobody had ever planted it on this side of the river on steep slopes and a bunch of rock. Mm-hmm. And that vine got over here and went, are you kidding? I want to go back home, right? It was not drought resistant. It was not, you know, it was not doing that well. Yeah. But as you know, all grapes like to mutate. Right. And the reason for that is they like birds. And the reason for that is birds are how they propagate. Yeah. A bird will eat a seed, fly, fly down the road a bit. Deposit that seed with a little nitrogen, hopefully not on your car windshield. Right. And, you know, and, and then, you, you know, and then you're and then you're good to go. Right. So that's how. So basically, if you ask a grape, what is your dream? Uh, they'll say they'd say we want to be red because birds are much more attracted to the red fruit than they are. Is that right? To the white berries. Wow. So if you think about Cabernet Franc mutating with Sauvignon Blanc uh-huh. to make what we now know as Cabernet Sauvignon. That's that progression towards red right. that all these mutable, mutable vines want to do. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Oh, so, wow. so Brock had this thing that was really suffering over here in this steep shale hillside, wanted to go back home to Oakville, right? <laughs> but he thought, well, I know that vines changed every it, every node, every bud right. is an opportunity for a little bit of a genetic mutation. So he did this really old-fashioned thing. It's called a field selection. The French has a fancy word for it. It's called selection massale. Mm-hmm. And all that really means is you take a look at your vines and you pick the best-looking stuff. You plant it in your nursery. And then the next year, you take the best-looking stuff of that generation, you plant another generation. Then you take the best looking of the second generation and plant a third generation and so on and so forth. 20 years later, he had actually created his own clone of Cabernet here on the Silverado Vineyard. And in fact, it was recognized by UC Davis in the 90s as a California heritage clone. That is Solo. Okay. So it's the Silverado clone. You got it. UCD 30, if you want to go order it. You know, yeah. And, you know, you, you can order it in the plant material catalog, put it in your backyard. <laughs> uh, you were very open source. There you go. Yeah. It and, sounds uh, like it. So yeah. Your and, results may vary. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah. So what you're tasting in Solo is not only this vineyard, but the, the very specific clone of Cabernet that this vineyard created. Back in the 60s and 70s. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so really two different expressions of, of sight. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned this word terroir. I don't think you could get, get more terroir than uh, a vine that that adapted to the soil that it's sitting in. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you've got that's in front a perfect of you. Ele- you got yeah. all the perfect elements coming together yeah. with the solo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to influence, influence Varun because this is his first time he's going to be sampling these wines. But... Uh, I'll let you pull the notes out of it for okay. each of the Cabernets, but it was actually the Geo that really pulled my heartstrings and is the reason why I joined nice. the wine club. Nice. Because it's more earthy to me yeah. and it's a, a little bit more bolder and fuller as yeah. a traditional, uh, for me, a more I traditional totally Cabernet. Agree. Totally agree. But yeah. when I, every time I revisit the Solo, which I love as well, it's got that silkier, smoother, sexier element yeah. to it. It's the more, for me, the Geo's more masculine. 
the solo is more feminine. Do you get that impression? I don't. I, don't, I, I feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the gender thing. I think I, the way I put it is that these very typical Stag's Leap tannins. You know, Stag's Leap yeah. is always known as the you know the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. That's, and that's, that's what you know. They're very typical, and I think what happens is they they have a tendency to be very restrained in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then take a, a little bit of time to sort of open up. I mean, you taste a 20-year-old Stag's Leap wine and you think you've died and gone to heaven. Yeah. Early on, maybe it's not as generous and open as, as like the Geo is. Right? right. But so I always say that it's a bit, it's a bit restrained and it requires you to be a bit restrained. Okay. It requires you to buy it and... You know, stick it in the back of your closet and forget about it for about 10 years, 10 years right? 15 <laughs> then, years, yeah. And then when you're rummaging around later, it's like, oh, wait a second. Ooh, yeah. I should try this. And then it's always a revel- revelation. So yeah. I, I, I think, I, I do think you're right that the, the geotannins are broader and they're more rustic and they're, and, and, and again, more, they, they sort of fill your mouth more. Um, they, they are crying out for you to have a steak you know, with some herb butter melting all over it. Whereas I think right now the solo is more, you know, what's the solo? The solo is more like, uh, you know, duck. Yeah. So it'd be great with duck right now. (laughs) It's like a little bit, a little bit less heavy and intense in terms of the, in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the textures. A duck, a venison, something a little bit more gamey with the solo, but I just sniffed the, the geo. And man, that is such a lovely bouquet. That is that pure cab aroma that I always say the best. I think the best compliment I could give to a Cabernet bouquet is if it's that good and that pure, I want to just put it into the form of a candle and burn it all night. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And let it fill up my room and smell <laughs> right. it because I just love this. Yeah. I love the way this smells. I could smell a little bit of the earthiness. What is the soil for the Geo? So that's, you know, that's really unique. One of the interesting things about the Napa Valley is unlike a lot of places in oh, the world, my God, this so teeny. This teeny tiny valley. I, mean, I don't know if your listeners know that only about four percent of the wines. That's right. Uh, only about four percent of California wines are, are, are made here in, in Napa. It's yeah. really a small place. It really is. Yeah. So if you think about that in, in global terms, you could very nearly fit all of the vineyards in California inside of Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. That's how big Bordeaux is. Right. So if you think about Napa being four percent of that, and then this little tiny area in Stags Leap being, well, I don't know some teeny tiny fraction of that. Yeah. You're talking about a very specific place. Right. right. So what people don't realize though is that one of the reasons that everybody wants to be here is just the tremendous diversity. We talked about the air conditioner down there, you know, yeah. the bay. As the fog rolls up the valley and then rolls back, you have at least three very distinctive climate zones. Right. You also have an elevation difference. In other words, below the fog line is a little cooler than above the fog line. So right. mountain fruit has a different different development over this over the season. Finally, one of the tremendous things here is soil. You you asked me a question about yeah. soil. The west side of the valley is all formed tectonically. That's how we got our earthquakes. So that's, that's right. you know the, the the continental plate rubbing up against the Pacific plate and throwing up uh, um, ancient seabed soils, calciferous, beautiful, uh, nutrient-rich soils from the seabed. That's the west side of the valley. The east side is all volcanic. Yeah. And then they all mix together. So what people don't realize is there are over 100 soil orders here in the Napa Valley. Right. Um, it's half of the world's soil types. That's right. Are in this little 30-mile stretch. 30 miles north to south, yeah. So you're asking me about the soils in Coombsville. There's, that soil only exists in one place in the world. It's called Coombsville gravelly loam. Mm. And it's this, this uh, younger volcanic material that's mixed with 
unheated tufa mm -hmm. because Mount George, unlike a lot of the a lot of the uh, peaks here on the Vacas Range, didn't actually blow up. Mm -hmm. It actually kind of leaked. Mm. It, the, the lid stayed on. But, but, you know, but the pot still boiled, right? And you can so, see Mount George from, yeah. oh, from you the see terrace from here. here. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So, so what happened is that because it, some of that stuff didn't really heat up, you have these big, big blocks. I mean, two, three feet chunks of this tufa that's very, um, it looks like a rock, but it's like, it weighs nothing and you can crumble it. Yeah. It's funny, it's got all this iron ore in it and it looks like a boulder, but it's kind of like a Hollywood boulder. You can just, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, but what it does, what those pockets do is they collect water. Right. There's not a lot of rainfall in Mount George, but those pockets collect water and that fabulous, those vines can go down 20, 30, 40 feet. Deep. Find, find those pockets of, of chalk that have absorbed that water over the rainy season and then use that during the growing season. So it's a miraculous place. Yeah. It really, really is. And I think I think you can taste it. I, yeah. I, I think you can. That's one of the reasons I, I love that vineyard and I love Geo so much. And when I think of Geo, because but even though it's named after George, I think of Geo because of geography, because mm. of the earthiness, mm. textures, and climate characteristics that that are in this wine. Rune, have you had a chance to taste the Geo yet? I, I have, and and um, the first impression was just sort of um, it, it was like I had picked up. Uh, some some of the soil and and um, just very subtly, you know, I was smelling the soil yeah, yeah. and uh, I felt like I was one with with uh, you, you know sort of how the you know the, the grapes and their genesis. That yeah. that was the first impression. Yeah, and then certainly the 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 very subtle fruits wasn't an overpowering. I mean, I've personally I've stayed away from a lot of cabernets because they're just like so bold. But this was. Um, very a subtle Cabernet that yeah. um, that I uh, I really enjoy. To yeah. me, it's a medium body Cabernet, and then I just sip the solo again, and you know that is just got that simply beautiful elegance. I think of it as a swan dance when I sip the solo. Lovely, bright. It's much for me. It's more bright than the Geo, and much more fruit forward at, at the first impression at the front end for me. Is yeah. that what and, you get? And a really different kind of. Um, um, spectrum of fruit. Mm -hmm. um, it's more stone fruit. It's more, you know, yes. cherry, tart cherry, yes. plum. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys have had um, that sort of salted plum in yes. Japanese cuisine. Yes. And it's kind of, it has a little mm. bit of saltiness and a little bit of minerality to that, but kind of this sort of combination of plum jam and also sour salty plum. A little bit and, of that tartness. Yeah, 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 right. All kind of layered together, which which and which is opposed to Geo, I think that fruit is much more like black fruit and wild, wild sort of brambly fruit, whereas the solo, uh, you know, up here in Stag's Leap is much more stone fruit. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that analogy. I love that description because that is dead on. No one's actually ever said the Japanese analogy during a wine tasting. That's nice. Uh, but I used to live there, so... Oh, did you really? Yeah, I know the cuisine pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bill, one of the best parts of being a member here at Silverado Wineries is that your wines are really affordable. 
And I know you have a couple different tiers of wines. I know you have some that are mid-range prices. I've bought some beautiful red blends for like the $22, $24 price range. These, the Merlot, uh, the Oakville Cabernet is not overly excessive. They are, you know, we, we, we make wines for just about everybody, everybody's price range. Um, we, we have our Sauvignon Blanc, which is in the 20s. Our estate cab is $50 a bottle, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, pretty amazing. I think that bottle of wine could retail for a lot more than that. A lot but, more, yeah. But the wines are really delicious and they're really priced affordable for people. Yeah, and then we have our Geo and our Solo, which are, are is one twenty five for the Solo and then seventy five for the Geo. And I think those wines as well can stand up to any other Bordeaux's. Oh, any other Stags Leap. Stags Leap at region, yeah. Region, of course. That's so right. We're really proud to offer that. We have a little something for everybody here at Silverado. Yeah. What are some of the other ways that folks can uh, purchase your wines and get have access to your wines? Uh, people can go onto our website, which is SilveradoVineyards.com. They can always they can join and purchase wines, or they can just join as a general consumer. Okay. Um, those orders will come to us here at the winery, and then we'll ship them out, charge your credit card. Um, also, too, we are at uh, Safeway. We are at Bevmo. You're in some retail markets. We're yeah. in some retail markets. I've seen them at, Bevo, at Bevmo. What other stores can you get them at? Uh, here locally, Safeway. Trader Joe's, um, and also if you're somewhere outside of California and you're not sure where to get purchase the wine, please feel free to call the winery directly because we're more than happy to direct you to where the closest place for you. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, I love coming to this winery. It's just such a beautiful property, but you guys also put on some really great events here. I've been to some of your wine release parties. I know you do a paella party. Um, you do a harvest party. And those are, those are benefits that I receive as a member. Tell the audience a little bit about the wine club. Uh, so we have uh, three different levels of wine club. Um, they ship three times a year, February, May, and October. Uh, we try to avoid any summer shipments because what ends up happening, we don't want to ship the wine in the summertime. It's too hot. It's too hot. Yeah. You know, wine's a living, breathing um, thing, and we don't want that to be damaged. Yeah. Um, so we ship in February, May, and October. We have a case club, which is uh, four bottles three times a year. Uh, the uh, cost for that's about uh, 150 to $175. We see, again, really affordable. Once again, yeah. I mean, that three times a year, is, is very affordable for yeah. consumers. Um, and then we have a collector's club, which is pretty much doubling up your shipments of the um, what I just mentioned. Uh, that comes to 275 to 350. Um, and all of these clubs are also listed online as well. Okay. Uh, you get complimentary tastings with this, access to private wine club only events, which is uh, pretty special. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a, a rare reds club, and that we actually have a waiting list on. We only have about 200 members in that currently. Ah. And so if you uh, if you want to look into getting on the wait lists on that, you know, feel free to call the winery and we can definitely uh, put you down on that. So, And tell me about some of the events that you guys put on for the Wine Club members. I've been to the San Francisco Giants baseball game. Oh, you know, one of my favorite things that I do is every summer you go out and get on this huge, beautiful sailboat and you sail the bay. <laughs> we did that a couple years in, the, in a row. <laughs> We're always trying to come up every year. That's the challenge is try to shake it up a little bit. We like to keep it personal. We like to get to know our members and uh, and make new friends all the time. I love that. And I love being a part of the wine club. You put on such great events. 
we've talked a lot about the wines and the staff at Silverado, but can we take a, a minute just to talk about the amazing view out here? This is just uh, I've, my first time being in Napa. I'm just so like connecting with my heart to the beautiful area. Mm. The I walked outside and, and the rosemary bush is in bloom, mm. which is so rare to see. And it was just, uh, you know, there's the, the smell in the air. It's just so beautiful out here. It's pretty spectacular, I must say. We're so fortunate to pull through those gates to come to this property every day. Uh, we're perched up, perched up here on the hill, and I have to say, I just think it's the best view in the valley. It really is. Um, you know, also, you know, that with the wines and, and the staff, it's just, it's a very, very special place. And the terrace is gorgeous. I mean, as a wine club member, that's one thing that you have access to. You have one, uh, to the terrace up here, which has these gorgeous views. Well, you have two levels of terrace, right? And the general... General public is down below on our lower terrace, and then upper terrace is reserved for wine club members only. But, oh my gosh, it looks overlooks the northern part of Napa Valley towards Calistoga, towards Mount George, and the view is just... You, I, I sent you out there to take a look at it. Yeah. Describe it. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular and to think that you know we all walk by this and through this every day to come to work. It, it really is a privilege, and we're very honored to be here. But yeah, the view is spectacular. I have to say it's probably one of the best in the valley. It really is. I've started scouting out property because I'm... I've decided I'm going to move out of Washington, D.C. <laughs> but i got to tell you, the, this, this property itself, we talked about the view, but the actual property itself has is, is got this beautiful romantic charm to it. And I'll tell you a funny story because one time um, I brought up a bunch of uh, friends here. There were 11 of us, and it was a going away party. One of my friends is moving on. And we rented a limousine. Put yourself at the start of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. <laughs> and I had the limousine pull around, and you have this beautiful property, like it's in the Hollywood Hills. It's that romantic. It's that Hollywood feel. And I had one of my friends, Hubert, get out of the limousine. I put him at the top of the stairs. And one by one, I had uh, all of our friends get out of the limousine and greet him at the top of the stairs. Because <laughs> um, it has got that romantic charm. Uh, bachelor, bachelorette feel to it. It's just that kind of wonderful property. It is. It's beautiful. It, you know, rain, shine, it doesn't matter. It's beautiful. You know, we've we've been through the fires and the That's uh, right. the rain, and today it's this beautiful sunny day, but, you know, even during the rain, it's beautiful to look outside those windows. So, very special spot. Yeah. And I have to admit, there's such a romantic allure to this place. I'd, I'd really love to come back here with my wife and family and have, this, have them experience everything that uh, I've seen here today. And, um, you know, Silverado just has all the great components to make my experiences here full. This place is so precious and memorable. So, Russ and Bill, thank you so very much for hosting us today and your great hospitality. It's been our pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. It's been a really great morning. If you'd like to visit Silverado Vineyard, their address is 6121 Silverado Trail in Napa Valley. They're literally right off of Silverado Trail on this beautiful hill. You can't, you can't not stop here when you're here in Napa Valley. Their phone number is 706. 257-1770 and you can get visitor and tour information uh, on their website silveradovineyards.com and Bill when is your winery open? Uh, we're open seven days a week from 10 to 5 um, and then we're close to major holidays Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's Day and as you mentioned earlier Bill you could come to Silverado to purchase your wines you could buy them directly from their website or you could find them in some retail markets um, like BevMo or, or, or Trader Joe's as you mentioned yeah it's been such a wonderful Day. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you here. Come back soon. Oh, I absolutely I'm will. I'm sure we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Russ and Bill, many, many thanks to both of you for your hospitality today. It was a real treat to spend time with you and get to know you, Russ, and get to know you, Bill, even though I've come here all the time, uh, and, but it's my first time meeting you guys. Uh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Sip on This. You can continue to learn more about wine in the Napa Valley region by listening to our podcast. So please remember to subscribe to Sip on This on Apple iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And check us out on SipOnThis.org, where you will see pictures from today's tasting experience. And you can ask us questions, which we'll answer on a future podcast. Until our next podcast, live life peacefully, productively, and deliciously. And let's do one more toast to our co-founder of this winery, Ron Miller. Mm, Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks, guys, for a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a great day. Beautiful. Yeah. Such great wines, huh? Yeah. And if this wine thing doesn't work out for you, you should yeah. go into like uh, being a smooth d- a jazz DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have that. You have that silkiness. You're really good. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs>